Now that you've decided if you can grow enough food to feed your family, let's talk about how to decide how much of a certain crop to grow for your family. Right here on the Backyard Gardens Podcast. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. Welcome to the Backyard Gardens Podcast, where we talk about all things gardening. We're your host, Ben in Batavia, and you can find me gardening in the country. And you'll find me gardening in the city. Get ready as we dig deep into this wonderful world of gardening, where we learn to grow and grow for change. Late and breaking news. Right now, at the time of recording of this podcast, which is honestly a little bit before you've listened to it, my chickens have started laying eggs again. So it's been a dark winter of no eggs, and now all of a sudden we get like six a day. So we're looking for eight. So there's a win. (laughs) (laughs) Delayed, but we'll take it. Um, And before we go any further, let's make sure that you are signed up for our seed giveaways. Every month on the 15th, we are giving seed giveaways to email subscribers on BackyardGardensTV.com. And also to our patrons if you want to get in on that one patron.com is that right patreon.com slash backyard gardens so uh yeah now let's decide how much we want to grow batavia finally an episode that i actually need no i joke i joke (laughs) (laughs) i knew we talk about something that's that's gonna be useful to me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is this episode is only for Batavia, so everybody else, you know, that we're just coaching her. But mm-hmm. no, um, you know, we're we're kind of going on with this theme of growing enough for your garden to out of your garden to feed your family, basically, for a year, hit or miss. So, um, and this you can apply this to either that or just in general. I would say, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's um. It's a topic that I kind of always want to talk about. Like it's always kind of floating around in my head. So I'm glad that this series kind of covers off on a lot of those pieces. I think in general, um, even if you're not saying I'm planning on growing enough food to feed my family for a year, I think like these principles, you know, you can take forward with you in your garden planning period. Yeah, yeah. That's a mouthful. Can you grow enough to feed your family for a year? We need to find a way to shorten that, but I'm cool. that series will be over by the time I come up with it. Yeah, I mean, you're the one that has to say it, so I think I, I think it's fine. Sounds good to me. <laughs> hey, look, I got the intro out in one take, mm. so we're good. Um, All right. So I think it's really a no-brainer just to like really get going is, you know, how much do you like certain crop? You know what I mean? I think that's kind of like... The obvious one. I challenge you there, though. Like, I, I Do don't it. like. <laughs> if you're going to be that way on the first take of the podcast on three minutes in, let's do this. Three minutes in. Hey, this is going to be like March the 3rd. I'm pretty sure that this is released. I think we're safely past New Year, New Me. So. Oh, and she has left the yeah, building, let's ladies dig and in. gentlemen. Because, and I'll speak for myself here because, again, this episode is for me. Um, a person that definitely grows things out of curiosity. Um, I don't think there's anything that I know I dislike that I grow because I'm curious about it. Um, but there are levels to like, like, like how much you like a thing. And that's, yeah. you know, that's where I really want to dig in. Right. You know, there are a bunch of things that are in my garden that I like a lot more than some of the other things that are there. Right. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, I'm trying to think of something that I would not grow. I wouldn't grow artichokes. Hmm. I like them, but I don't love them enough to give them a space in my garden. And they're a bitch to cook, too, but that's beside the point. (laughs) So is it if you like it, but you don't love it as a decision factor or could you just not like it enough? Well, we can do we can get overly complicated old Batavia back in the building and say that it's like, love, dislike, and not like a lot. If we want to, we could do a number of things, but I think it's kind of, I think that's part of the decision making. Like how much do you like 
you know, in your classification mm-hmm. and love, like you love tomatoes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I do. I would say, is that safe to say? It's absolutely safe to say. It's beyond right, so, the like scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you like cucumbers. Mm-hmm, I do. Do you love them? No. There you go. So, but you still grow them. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, I can't think of anything. Actually, there are a few things in my garden that I'm like, eh, I could go without. But because I have the space, I kind of, you know, I grow them. Yeah, red cabbage is one that um, I... Damn it, get out of my head. Listen. I don't like it when you do that. Listen, I'm digging around in here with my spade. and you know, I need a bigger <laughs> shovel. There's a lot of going on in here. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Yes, there is. Oh, gosh. You know, every now and again, you need a good <laughs> laugh that you, you've provided yourself. All right. So, yeah. So, cabbage is a great example of I've grown some beautiful red cabbage in particular. Um, and I don't ever really have to have that in my diet. I think red cabbage or purple cabbage, whichever, you know, you'd like to call it. Um, but it's beautiful. I think it's intriguing. When I grow it, I eat it. You know, if I had to choose like between two crops, 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 ooh, sorry. If I had to choose between two crops, red cabbage and something else, I'd probably choose the something else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I experienced that last year in the greenhouse mm-hmm. when I planted a little section of cabbages and they took up so much space and took so long that I was like, eh. you know, and then when I got them, and it was time to cook them. We cooked them a couple of ways and I like them, like I said, but I don't think I like them enough to have rows and rows and rows mm-hmm. of that. But I mean, that's usually where, especially if you're somewhere like having a small garden, you know, let's, let's at the beginning of the episode, let's throw away the whole idea of the series for a second mm-hmm. and say that we are not growing to feed our family for a year, but we also have a very small garden or a container garden, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which I think is kind of hit or miss anyways about this. But those things that sprawl out, you need to really look at that. How much do you like them? How much do you hate them? So on and so forth. Or if we're gentlemen and ladies, of course, and we are considerate of the others in our household, how much do other people like or dislike them as well? So that's kind of part of it when you're taking up all this valuable space. Well said. Do you believe so? Obviously, David has eaten with you and Mrs. Gardner for like his lifetime. But how mm-hmm. much of your previous like growing up and your previous life before marriage do you believe has influenced what you enjoy today? And same for Kelly. Well, over since I got married 500,000 years ago, mm-hmm. I my tastes have changed mm-hmm. because I went from basically a staunch meat eater to a vegan, to a vegetarian slash pescatarian and a hunter. So, you know, all of this kind of changes, but my tastes have grown Mm -hmm. to an extent, but they also kind of hit their limits. But I feel like each year because of the garden, I try new things and I develop more and more tastes. So I feel like I'm constantly each year reevaluating what I either tried or grew last year and then putting them into the like dislike category. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for instance, you know, last year, you know, in the greenhouse, I'll go back to the cabbages. Like I grew them and I liked them, but I don't know if I liked them enough to really take up that valuable space. And this is the key for me in a season in which space is at a premium. So in the wintertime I can grow kind of throughout the winter, mm-hmm. but I'm not actively like planting, replanting. Like there's a month before I'll go out in the garden sometimes mm-hmm. in the wintertime. So a cabbage can sit there and grow and not take up valuable space. Therefore I'll let it grow. You know, now okra, I like okra, but I don't love it. Yeah. So I'll grow a plant. Maybe I'll have two for a fail safe, but I would never have three, four or five okra plants. That's just not my gig. Mm-hmm. And because since this series is kind of centered and we're building around it on um, growing enough to feed your family, I'm going to remove the concept of giving away food because okra is a yeah. great example of I try to grow enough to be able to enjoy it because I love it, love it, uh, but also give it away. But if you kind of peel that back and say, all right, 
enough for you to enjoy because I really, really like it. Oh, no, love it. Um, I still would grow more than just a plant. You know what I'm saying? Which again, is yeah. that there's levels to it. But I'm also, and we'll probably circle back around to this. I'm also thinking about um, why I love it, ways that I eat it, right? You know, and so the space that okra as an example takes is secondary to me, right? Just right. based on how much I enjoy uh, the vegetables. Same thing with tomatoes. Great example with tomatoes. Like they probably take up the most space in my garden, a single tomato plant compared to other single plants. And I mean, outside of your vining, other vining things. Um, but I'm willing to make the sacrifice because it rates high on the level meter. Yeah. And I don't want to go down the road of giving away stuff, but I do want to say this because it kind of feeds into a couple things. So first of all, um, the Backyard Gardens documentary that we were working on the pandemic basically the whole concept of it fell apart Mm -hmm. so we're actively working to try and like piece it together because we have a lot of really good interviews but within those interviews there's a guy who grows about 25 okra plants a year for the sole fact to give it all away everything and that's like the main reason why i really that one interview is why i'm trying to keep it all together Mm -hmm. because it's so powerful what he says Mm -hmm. And the way that he got to it and everything, I'll leave that separate. But just that in itself says so much behind what a gardener is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, you know, when I say I don't really, you know, I grow two because what if one dies? Well, the other thing is I, I give it away, too. I give away basically a plant and a half worth of okra every year. And then 25% of one plant just goes to seed. And then the other 25% we eat. <laughs> That's usually how okra works because I cannot stay on top of it. It's like, it's a horrible thing. But, you know, when we think about something like okra, now you didn't mention one thing about okra. Mm. The flowers. They're the most amazing flower and a vegetable ever. It's my favorite family <laughs> of flowers, the hibiscus family. Um, Is it a hibiscus family? Yeah, that's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I know. It did beautiful. Um there i was thinking about it i don't i don't remember eating fresh okra as a child or growing up i just remember it being like frozen you know Mm -hmm. um and so i can't say for sure but i know that there's some good fresh okra like i know okra out of the garden as long as you haven't let it get away from you is really really good i bet it's better than store-bought okra Uh, so i can absolutely i bought okra yeah, I can absolutely see store about fresh okra. I can absolutely see how it's a gift for him to give away specifically that, you know, especially in the South. Yeah, yeah there's a, a much more touching story behind it. And every time I rewatch interview, it makes me tear up the way he describes and everything He's really good with his words. But, um, you know, as you break down, though, how much do we like or love or hate or dislike or not care for something, you know, those space considerations come in Mm -hmm. because if you don't like, you know, X plant, just pick a plant, but you are curious about growing it, then you can do that as well. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you, I definitely think that there always needs to be room in a garden for growth, no pun intended, but you know, to expand your knowledge, expand, you know, your different varieties, try new things. And I mean, Honestly, like if you go to the grocery store, what do you get? The basic old crap every time. So this gives us an opportunity to try new things. Now, if you grow, let's just stick with cabbage for a minute. You can find a leafy green that's very similar to that. That's a different variety Mm -hmm. that you will continue to get more and more use out of. Another reverse that. So Brussels sprouts, in my mind, are baby cabbage, right? And so with... The trouble that some have, I've still not ventured out to grow Brussels sprouts, but the trouble that some have with growing Brussels sprouts, maybe cabbage is an alternative. So you can still kind of tap into that taste, right, for what could be an easier crop for you to grow. Um, So at the basic level, you know, it's the, you know, of course, you're going to grow things you like, but I just want folks to remain open, even when we're trying to grow like a bounty to feed our families, remain open to growing something that, you know, 
you eat, you think it's okay. You know, may not crazy about um, yeah. because there is an absolute difference in what you buy in the store with a lot of things, not everything, but what you buy in the store versus what you um, grow at home. And that could be, that could change it and, and gear it up a notch, you know, from you yeah. like to, yeah, it's actually pretty good. Well, let's think about it like this. Let's use the grocery store to our advantage and think about when you go to the grocery store, what do you buy the most of? That's, you know, mm-hmm, and then you mm-hmm, start there. Mm-hmm. You know, we grow. Well, I mean, we grow. We buy a lot of Brussels sprouts in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. I, we don't buy cabbage hardly ever. Mm-hmm, we might mm-hmm. buy one or two heads a year, but we eat a lot of Brussels sprouts. Ergo, me trying to grow brussels sprouts for four years now i'm on my fourth year and your brother might have a little something something growing and who knows okay so i'm keeping a close watch right now mm-hmm. but you know that helps us to kind of start to dwindle down without even really doing any kind of crazy research or anything you know you just look in your refrigerator and think look at your menu if you if you guys make menus and stuff like that and you'll see what you eat a lot mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. and then you can go down and you can go into what we're going to talk about next, which is cost analysis and stuff like that. And, you know, different areas in which that can help you to decide how much of something to grow. Mm-hmm. Because if I have my closing statement for this and you let me know if you have one is when it comes down to it, I grow what I love and what I like. And then whatever room I let, have left over, I'll grow stuff that's so so and try and I want to try. That's kind of how I do it. So right now, you know, I'm, I'm going to do four square feet of carrots. That's going to be a lot of carrots. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'll replant that throughout the year. So that's kind of my stance on that. Yeah, I agree. There may be one or two more layers after love and really like for me. Um, but mm-hmm. I definitely do start with, you know, those things and then basically build out based on the space I have. There are things, yeah. though, I, I must say that I kind of feel like I'd miss if they weren't in my garden. So those things kind of find their way. But again, it ties into how much am I going to grow of that? You know, you may right. not get prime real estate. You know, you may be in the back corner of the garden where, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I wish you luck back there. Uh, so. So, yeah. I'm, I'm in line with you, I think, though. Okay. So let's do this. Let's go to the break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about f- different forms of cost analysis and then plant spacing to help us decide how much we want to grow of a certain crop in our gardens. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners. All right. For all the people out there listening that are accountants, please feel free to get your calculators out and run the numbers along with us because this is not going to be a technical discussion by any means. <laughs> so when we would say cost analysis, Batavia, what do you think of that? Other than it's a terrible term. Yeah, yeah. I um, I immediately think about, well, I actually do go a step further down. I immediately think about um, how much the sticker price is at the store. Mm-hmm. Anytime something's sold by the pound, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm going to get screwed. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and then how much of it I could grow. Like if I could grow a single plant of something I'm looking at in the store, I'm kind of like, ah, oh, come on. Now the only caveat is it doesn't necessarily stop me from buying it during the off season, but it does encourage me to say, I'm going to grow more of it during the season. And it's already- Damn, Batavia is my is a good friend of mine, as everybody knows. I hope you do, and if you don't, now you do. Um, but she's a mega dork. Mm-hmm. So I just received a multiple of text messages, which are still coming in from Miss Batavia, and they are prices of vegetables in the store, and it's appalling what people are selling them for, honestly. I mean, you just sent me uh, red kale that's 
Is that a per pound organic red kale for two twenty nine per pound? No, that's for the bunch of like three stalks of kale. That's per. Okay, so for three stalks of kale. So if you think about that, let's talk about that leaves. for a second. Let me be, be clear. Leaves. <laughs> yeah, leaves. <clears throat> so, um, and first of all, it's the curly kale, and I'm all set on that crap. But let's just not worry about that anymore because Miss Batavia is tired of hearing about it. Um, I go out in my garden. I have four kale plants. Each day I come in with $6 or every two days I come in with $6 of kale every single two days. So you, you can kind of, that's a really good one right off the bat. And you sent me chard and it's two forty nine dollars for, it looks like it's four mm-hmm. of that. Now in my greenhouse, it's a six by eight foot greenhouse. And then each bed is two by eight going down the middle and then there's one that's three by two and on one of the sides i have four square feet of chard and i'm walking out every week with two with five dollars worth of chard so you can go ahead and say right now that it's kind of a Mm no-brainer right mm -hmm. now if we go go ahead i was just gonna say like the I love the e like the bunches is what they're selling them by, right? And the chard and the kale, I believe, were organic, which I'll claim for both of our gardens, you know, what we're producing, these are organic leaves. And it probably was like four leaves of of, um, of kale, which is still highway robbery for them to even sell just four leaves of kale, <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Um, and the same thing for chard. And I normally take them a few times a year. So I bet in my phone I have pictures of like two years ago, but it wasn't like the price hasn't increased by like double or anything. It's always been really unreasonable when it comes to the prices of those things. If you want to consider those specialty, maybe, maybe not. But then I have peppers and tomatoes, right? And those are per pound. And you and I have talked about how I didn't even eat a lot of like sweet peppers just because of how expensive they are in the grocery store. You know, like just remove them from my grocery list. like don't even bother with them. But then when you start growing them yourself, for sure, like I, for the first time, I had a, a sweet red pepper from my garden. Like, you know, they call them sweet peppers, but I've never really had one that was sweet until I had one yeah. in my garden. And for those that are charged by the pounds, and they're huge. And you and I both know those things were picked green. There's in the stores now is yellow or red or or purple or or orange or something but they were picked green and that may be okay i do that sometimes and pull them out of my garden but it's not the freshest because it's ripened over the course of transport so i mean that's that's i'm like going to step down just one step down like one foot off of my soapbox because i really get um really passionate about what's in the store and available for people to purchase and the influence those prices have of, over what goes into someone's cart and what doesn't. And then you look at what you can get out of your garden. Like I just, I, I it's highway robbery. I'm dating myself by using a term like that. I know, but are you, I think so. I just, you know, that's okay. I'm fired up. I'll, I'll be dated with you, <laughs> but to, to tie <clears throat> it mean, back to the show, just one comment. I enjoy peppers. I enjoy kale, even the curly kind. I enjoy Swiss chard. I enjoy these things. And I wouldn't eat as much of it unless I could grow it as much as I do. Right. And the prices of that absolutely influence me growing it at home and then how much I grow. So we had talked at length at some point um, privately about somebody saying somewhere that you can expect to get X amount of bell peppers off of a plant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. And that number that I'm not going to say that number because I don't want anybody to take that as something that we said, but it was not a very high number. Mm -hmm. I believe it was, let's say it was less than what? It was definitely 20. Oh, absolutely. Less than 20. Way less than that. Right. I I think for sure it was less than 10. Okay, so we'll just say it was less than mm-hmm. 10. Um, now, neither, I want to be very clear about this, but Tavia or I agree with that, giving that number out or that that's an actual fact. But let's just say, for instance, like I've grown bell peppers most of my gardening mm-hmm. career, career, whatever, gardening <laughs> life. And I will say that I do not get a lot of peppers off of them, 
but that can always be a couple of things. But what I did do is I switched from bell peppers to a different type of sweet pepper Mm -hmm. and got five times the amount I usually get out of it. So just by doing that switch and thinking outside the box, I raised my yield on what I would get. And this is like, you know, usually when you look at a recipe, it's like use one bell pepper. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say use a cup. Mm -hmm. It says one bell Mm -hmm. pepper. So whenever I do something, I'll say, yeah, I'll use two of these other peppers. They're slightly smaller. Um, I grew lipstick peppers to be exact. And when you look at like Batavia, one of the things she sent me is three peppers and they were about a dollar twenty five a pepper. So if you do that and you think about like I came back and I was getting five, six peppers off a week, do the math. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then we haven't even scratched the surface of once you do that, then start preserving stuff as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then that goes up. It doesn't matter if you're dehydrating freezing, drying, or canning. And if I missed anything, and when I say freezing, I mean using it in an actual recipe and then freezing the whole recipe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, two nights ago, we had that tomato pie (laughs) that we made over the summer, Uh and that shit was good. Uh So, And it had fresh basil and all of our tomatoes in it from the summer. So, you know, just doing that in itself, like, First of all, you can't buy it at the store. It basically tastes like pizza. You can go back to one episode last fall where I gave it out. Mm-hmm. Don't remember what it was. But um, let's just say it was like a, you bought a frozen pizza. Mm-hmm. Let's just call it what it is. I mean, you're talking six, seven bucks. Yep. You know, and by making that pie crust, my wife made the pie crust from scratch. Took about 30 cents worth of flour. And then we had all of our tomatoes and the cheese. I mean, you're saving money right there and you're putting it back. So but there's all of these ways that can kind of help with this cost analysis. It, and if you take what you've preserved, you've spread that savings over, you know, the course beyond the season. Right. So you're right. able to enjoy those tomatoes fresh. Right. You're also able to enjoy those tomatoes during the off season as well, which I think is crucial. I had tomatoes in there, I think. And, oh, I'll find it. Um, we're talking like, what, f- for an heirloom tomato now, five ninety nine or something a pound, depending on where you go. You know, you can get tomatoes cheaper than that, but not much cheaper. You know, even cherry tomatoes which is probably the cheapest to buy in Chicago at any store. You're paying like four dollars for like a 16 ounce carton of tomatoes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And again, the taste is absolutely different. Um, I just it's it's a no brainer for a lot of these. There are a couple of exceptions where uh, the yield for me hasn't yet you know, met the, the cost, you know, right. you know, which one I'm going to go with, you know, potatoes, potatoes. Um, and because I'm a lover of potatoes, that's very likely the reason why they continue to make it into my garden. Right. So yeah. even knowing how much, um, the, that I kind of pay for it, if you will, how much I can get them from the store for, how much I could pay if I was in the store, it's still important for my garden and I'm willing to sacrifice space to grow those things. Um, so, I mean, I think this, the reason why we didn't want to be specific, even when it came to the number of peppers, cause that could vary depending on where you are, when you're growing those peppers. But in general, this is kind of like the outline. You're going to yeah. insert different vegetables for the ones that you really, really like, the ones you really love, your garden spaces, my garden space is different than Ben and his is different than mine and so on. So all of these things when it comes to our gardens and our taste buds and our family's taste buds are very different. But the idea of still thinking about how much you like something, you know, thinking about how much that thing costs if you were to purchase it, is this a way to offset some other expenses and then stay at grow it? Like these are the things that I keep on coming back to when it comes to how much I want to grow of a thing. Yeah. I mean, can we talk about a few, uh, a few different crops real quick? Always. And do you mind if I give you those few different crops? Yes. I don't mind. Okay. So one is, so one you already started is potatoes. Mm -hmm. So, um, potatoes I've never grown. 
a white potato. And there's a reason why I've never grown a white potato. And it's because there's a five pound bag for $4 at the grocery store. Okay. The amount of space that it takes up in my garden is not really worth it to me. Right. So why am I growing white potatoes this year? Because I want to. Mm-hmm. Because if I need to know how to grow potatoes, I want to know how to grow potatoes and get a bumper crop off of them. Come on, somebody. Because you never know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You never know. You might need to have a day where you have a damn potato garden it's just so you can make it. So I want to grow potatoes. So I'm going to start growing potatoes this year. This year, if I grow my potatoes, and I'm like, hey, you know what? My investment was X and I got this much out. Cool. Next year. Let's go deeper because the big thing about it too is when do those potatoes come out of my garden? Mm -hmm. Because I'm here to plant my potatoes. Unfortunately, I had to order seed potatoes and I'm at the whim because they're like, you can't get potatoes until this day. (laughs) But the potatoes are supposed to be in by Valentine's Day and we're just before that and I'm waiting for them to come in. So if they come in, great, I'll get them in. But either way, if I can get them out at a decent time and then get another crop in its place, that means... For me, it's worth it to grow more and more potatoes so I can have that space and I know how to rotate them in and out of my garden and, you know, not succession plant those, but, and there's probably another term that I'm not going to use right now, succession plant something else behind them. So that's that. And then I lump that with onions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Onions are the same way. It's $2 for eight onions, like whatever. You know what I mean? But... Onions grow very close together. They don't take a lot of space. So there's that. So growing those. Now I started seeds for onions and let's just say it's a complete failure, but that's okay. Uh, You know, if I don't try now and I wait until I really want to, then I'm screwed. So this year I'm like, okay, I did something wrong. We'll start over. So there's that. Um, Let's talk about cabbages. So cabbages. I like cabbage. But, and Batave and I were talking about this earlier, how much do you want to fart in a week? You know what I mean? Like, let's be straight up. And for know? the record, he's not the crude one. That was absolutely my comment. Like, yeah. <laughs> I look, I have a seven year old son, so we joke about it all the time. But what we do with our cabbage to make this cost analysis work out is we take our cabbage, we shred it, we cook it in egg rolls, and then we freeze the egg rolls so we have them. Then, we make sauerkraut and then we can our sauerkraut. So now our $2 um, cabbage that you would get at the store, I don't even know how much it was. You didn't send me a picture. It's probably three or four bucks for a head of cabbage. <laughs> you probably have one in your phone. I mean, come on. But once we can it and make a can of sauerkraut, four bucks a can. And we can get two to three cans out of one head of cabbage. So now do I like sauerkraut? It's not my favorite. Three, four cans will last me over, you know, right out a year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's that, you know. So all of these things are kind of going in and out, you know. So we're kind of, some things aren't worth it, but you never know. They might be. I have a little bit of extra space, so it gives me time to try it, you know. Yeah. So uh, just as a reference, cabbage, like a big head of, let's say, your white or green cabbage, somewhere between 3 to $4 in my area. I did have a picture of... Um, 10 pounds of russet potatoes were four seventy seven. dollars uh, this year yeah, I checked so, the price and it's I took the picture because I said to myself like come on girl you know I was like trying to talk myself into like what are you really doing here um, as I bought the bag of 10 pounds of potatoes to get me through to summer uh, but I mean I think those things are important when it comes to um, being able to use that cabbage as an example in multiple ways because when we were talking I'd mentioned broccoli compared to cabbage. I enjoy broccoli more than I do cabbage. Neither of them are my favorites, but when it comes to wanting to have a more balanced diet, you know, wanting to eat more out of my garden, I enjoy broccoli more so. And in my mind, when we talked, I was saying, oh, they're the same size. Like they take up the same uh, square footage, if you will. Right. Right. And so why would I grow more broccoli than I would cabbage? And, after you listen to me go on and on, then you said something to the effect of, but I can get multiple meals out of that single head of cabbage. And I'm like, aha moment. You're absolutely yeah. right. And so in that moment, one head of cabbage became more valuable to me than 
ahead of, and I'll call it ahead, ahead of broccoli. Now, does that mean I'm going to reverse my plans and grow many more cabbage than I will broccoli? No, but it absolutely does give me something to consider when it comes to balancing what my garden plan is and how much I'm growing of these things. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, when you go to preserve these different, you know, let's cabbage and broccoli, because broccoli was the other one I wanted to talk Mm -hmm. about. Um, You know, you can preserve broccoli, you can freeze it. Yep, That's my plan. Yeah. You know, but then that's that's really all you can do with it. And one head of broccoli. I mean, dude, we go through two or three in a meal. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now we eat. Now, and this is another key to all of this is we eat more vegetable heavy than a lot of people. So not a lot of people, but, you know, your average American diet, we eat more vegetables, so there will be more needed. So, you know, but we like broccoli. Now, if I had to cut it something out of space, I would cut broccoli out of my garden in a heartbeat because it just takes up too much space, which kind of dovetails us in to plant spacing, which is going to kind of overlap with this a little bit because once we not analysis, whatever. Once we analyze the cost for these things, then we have the spacing, which can come into cost as well, because space is money. You know, we pay for square footage. You pay for square footage of soil and how much garden you have. And then we want to get as much as we can out of it. And look, I grow a lot of broccoli, but I grow a lot of broccoli because I can mm-hmm, and because mm-hmm. I want to, not because I need to. Yeah. And that's different. Yeah. You know? There are other pieces here that you can consider, but to try to keep. So I'll just mention a couple, but I'm not going to um, really stay there because I don't want to overcomplicate this. But that plant spacing you're talking about and what you're growing there and how heavy of a feeder. So there's still costs associated with you amending that bed because maybe you have a set of plants in that bed that are heavier feeders versus others that Mm -hmm. aren't, right? But when it comes to the spacing and this is when you start to talk about like multi-season garden gardening. So if I had spring and that was the only time I was like planting my garden, my plan would be very different if, again, I'm trying to feed my family for a period of time, let's say, if it's just a single season, you know, but then when you fold in summer, now I'm considering that plant spacing, what am I pulling out? And did I pull it out in time to put something first, truly summer in its space, in the place, right? Um, How did that planting work out? Am I planting summer things while spring things are still in you know you could do the same thing on the other side between summer and fall like all of those things matter and it's almost like once i get it it's going to be like a symphony you know like it's going to be a beautiful song that's played i'm not there yet i'm still learning some instruments um but those are the things that i consider like space is probably Gosh, it's so hard to say. I was, I want to say space is probably one of the biggest factors. I'm cheating myself. I was going to say space is the biggest factor when it comes to planting my garden. Um, And it's very hard for me to to come back and and say it's bigger and more important than what I like and the cost. But in this moment right now, that's my feeling. Like I'm moving things around. I'm pulling things out based on space. Yeah. And I mean, having space in your garden, having things spaced out, is so important. You know, I did a video and I was talking about it and somebody left a comment and they were like, um, you know, I've never had problems with a densely packed garden. And while that may be true, one thing I've noticed in my years is when I space things out more, a single plant will give me more. So you can have tomatoes and stuff like that. For example, uh, your carrots will be bigger. Now your broccolis, you're not you're gonna get one head of broccoli and i don't really want to hear about no damn side shoots like i get it but ain't nobody trying to eat no side shoots ain't it ain't worth taking up the space no one's turning on the stove for side shoots like yeah nobody's like i got one side shoot today hallelujah so but that being said if you have them spaced you have less pressure coming in on them from diseases and pests and stuff like that so that's really important when we talk about these things because that leads you to a healthier garden that's easier to manage. And um, if you are going, you know, you're growing enough food for your family for a year, then you you want it to be as easy as possible to work for you. Not having to manage disease and pests is huge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, Miss Batavia. Yeah. So, um, and this is breaking news. 
Batavia is considering, not committing, to uh, leaving more space in the garden. So in one of my beds in the front yard, I normally plant in three rows. So the the bed, I've like basically created three rows. And I was thinking about this last night or early this morning, depending on like which side of my nap I was on. Uh, and I was thinking about what happens if I planted just two of those rows. Like it's really hard for me to even say the words out loud because I wasn't, I didn't speak them. I just thought them. But I've looked at these last couple of years and you know, first year was really, really good. But a couple of years since, I feel like I've uh, the, the crops haven't produced as much because they've been jam packed, you know. And so I said, you know what, how about maybe needing to tend to these plants less because there are fewer of them? How about, you know, needing to water less, if you will, because there are fewer, fewer of them? How about giving the chance, the plants a chance to shine? Now, again, this is it's still cold. We're just, you know, less than 20 days away from spring. So this is what I'm thinking now. And I reserve the right to change my mind. But that's the reverse side of it, like allowing these plants to have more space versus just how much space does it take? And can I fit more in? Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing is trying not to squeeze as much in. So let's bring up the elephant in the room. Let's talk about melons. Oh, I thought it was going to be me. I, I can absolutely feel like I'm still like fired up from that last on my step stool and, and, and preaching there. No, you're good. Like, I'm, no, you're going to hear it when you listen to it. I'm like breathing into the microphone. So I'm trying to lean back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Don't know want to hear you huff and puff. Uh, it was 2019 but, winter weight. I'm still holding on to it. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't like a nice juicy watermelon july 4th you know what i mean Mm -hmm. who doesn't like to cover it in crisco and play slippery pig in the pool you know whatever it is who doesn't that drinks doesn't like to drill a hole in it and fill it up with vodka you know pick your pleasure watermelon is like the all-american just like summertime food right but when we (laughs) grow it (laughs) are you stuck on the slippery pig absolutely i am but when we grow it, it's it takes up so much room to grow this damn plant. It's ridiculous, right? So is it really worth it? So that's a great example. Real life 2022 garden plans. So I am like 99% sure that I'm going to do melons this year, but I'm not going to do watermelons. I had the best melon two years ago that I've ever had. And I tried to grow it again last year and it just didn't produce. So I'm going to try it this year, but I'm 99% sure that I'm only going to grow the single melon. I know, I know this is a lot of promises. Um, And it's because I love watermelon, just as you described. I think I've enjoyed it in all of the ways besides the pool. Um, But what I know for certain is I can go to Aldi's and get a watermelon for like Mm $4.99 and it's going to be good. Right. Like I've I've yet to have a delicious watermelon from my garden. So I'm going to instead focus on the thing that I can't buy at any grocery store near me. And it's a special, special melon. And I'm going to put all of my melon growing energy into that. Right. So I've just decided how much I'm going to grow. I'm just decided what I'm going to grow and what I'm not going to grow uh, based on what I like. Right. Based on the space requirements and based on price. So check 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 yeah i'm i'm gonna grow a watermelon because i can Mm -hmm. but that would be one of the first things i would cut out of my garden if i needed space um it's been very hit or miss with me over the years i've grown 50 pound watermelons Mm -hmm. and i've grown two pound watermelons and they definitely taste different better than from the store once you learn how to grow there's a big learning curve Mm -hmm. with harvesting Mm -hmm. a melon um you know, I'm going to be this year, I'm going to grow with the personal size watermelons. I don't care about a 50 pound watermelon. It's a great Instagram picture. You can scroll down on my Instagram <laughs> and see the one where my wife is holding this huge watermelon over my son's face. <laughs> That's fine and dandy. It's great, but it takes forever mm-hmm. to eat mm-hmm. a watermelon that size. So those small watermelons are key. You know, um, genetics is great where they have compact size plants, which is to be debated if that's even true or not, because I've yet to see one that really did fit into that. Yep. You heard it. 
I, I doubted the seed makers. So there it is. Um, but I still grow them because I love them. And for all the reasons I just told you, I love them. So it's, it's one of those things though where it takes up a lot of space, which is why I created a garden space in which things could run wild. And, you know, we'll continue on that path because I've been to a watermelon patch and I have no idea how many watermelons were planted on that farm. It could have been one damn plant because I've had one plant sprawl out probably 25 to 30 feet and just go, go, Mm -hmm. go. And on that watermelon plant, I got zero watermelon because they all got blossom in rot, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. a different, you know, was a symptom of a soil issue that I had. But that's a different story. So basically, I had this huge plant that I wasn't getting anything off of for a whole year, you know, and how much space did that take? How many times did I walk through my garden and trip over that damn thing? You know what I mean? I think um, just again, there are a bunch of nuggets here um, and we, we just don't have time in a single episode to cover all of them. But I, we got to say, think about what grows well in your area. And there are a bunch of resources for you to figure that out. So I am a firm believer as someone that's in the Midwest growing melon. So clearly I'm a firm believer of, I'm just not going to follow the letter of the law. Like people, yeah. you know, people wouldn't necessarily recommend growing melons in the, you know, the North at all, let alone Chicago. Um, but it's something I wanted to give a try. But when you're talking, going back to this, this idea of, I want to produce as much food. If you're trying to meet this challenge of growing fem- f- enough food for your family in a year, you definitely want diversity. You know, it's great to be able to have fruit, but are you living in, are you like, you know, in Canada, you know, like, is, is that, does it make yeah. sense to give that space to melons? Right. And, um, I think that's just an ex- one example of a food that maybe doesn't do that well, unless it has really, really hot weather for a lot, lot of time. Um, but that's a, a thing you just got to consider as well. Um, and again, I'm team, give it a try if you want. But maybe I don't have melons in six beds. You know, maybe I say I want to. I'm going to dedicate the space to have a couple of plants here. You know. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's how I do it. Is just like a little space. You know, not go crazy, but you know, you talk about can it grow in your area? Like the reason why I keep trying to grow Brussels sprouts to failure every year is because I'm right on that line. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I believe if I was one mile south that I would be too warm. But we really, really, really like Brussels sprouts. Mm -hmm. So we continue to try and grow them and, you know, work on that. So we're going to try and continue to try. Now, I will say that my patience is wearing very thin. And if what I think is going to happen this year may rejuvenate me to give it another shot. But we'll see. Just stay tuned for that. Um but making these decisions are so important. And I really don't think that you can grow enough food to feed your family for a year without preserving. I feel like that has to factor in to some extent in your plan. And that's how I decide on my garden Mm -hmm. and then spacing, you know, different plants and spacing is different. I mean, look, you remember that one year when I had that um, butternut squash grow wild and I got 40 (laughs) butternut squash (laughs) off of it. Mm -hmm. Now the plant was 15 feet wide and, you know, 25 feet long, but I got enough butternut squash to eat off of it for one solid year without doing anything to the vegetable other than sticking it in the cabinet. And that's huge. If you ask me, that is like a no brainer. You know what I mean? Like that made that plant earn a right in my garden for life. Like, you know, I've never had one grow like that before. Let's be straight about that. But trying to get that to happen again, I feel like it's worth it. That's huge because that actually takes me back to the cabbage, which in my garden, um, I've been able to keep cabbage in the ground, if you will, a lot longer. Like, you know how sometimes I like to use the garden as my refrigerator, you know, or my storage Mm -hmm. area. That's an example of something that keeps well for me in my garden, right? So I can balance. I don't need to pull it out right away and do something with it. Um, I think, you know, if you go to the other side of it and say something that can store easily once you've harvested it, like butternut squash in your case, I've only planted it that single year and I think I planted it pretty late. 
see, my issue was I didn't mind didn't really um, uh, ripen. My mind didn't get to the point of maturity. So can I grow it in my area? I'm pretty sure I could, you know, but that additional consideration has to be given. Right. And it's a big yeah. plant. So how much space do I want to give to something that may get to the end of the season? And just be kind of raw butternut squash in the worst way, you know. So that's one of those yeah. things. But again, if I don't try it, I don't know. Right. So I mean, it's all about you know. And one one way to tell is look at the back of the seed packs. Mm-hmm. A lot of them will have that little map on there and stuff. And you know, if you look at it, it says hundred days to harvest, and then you look and it says you can plant it in June. Well, you know what? You might not. You might want to stay away from yeah. it. Yeah. So you know, there's that. That's actually a, a really important tip because that's exactly what I did. And they are, that's on the stretch. That was too late. It was like June 20th. And by the time winter came, yeah. like, I mean, yeah. by the time winter or winter came, by the time fall came and we were getting our first frost, like it was just, they didn't have enough time. So, yeah. Yeah. It's all about timing. And I think, you know, pushing the limits of timing a little bit and trying to figure it out. You know, this year I'm looking to get my broccoli, which, you know, we've already talked about at, at nauseum. Um, I'm looking to get that out a month earlier this year because I've kind of, you know, I've mapped out how everything goes. I've seen it grow in my garden all winter and how it's made it and how different things have survived. You know, whatever sat out my garden all winter, I never expect any of it to survive. Mm-hmm. So if it, you know, I can see like, hey, it got down to 17 degrees and this, this, and this is still alive, then I know that at this point in the winter, yeah, we can get cold and we still may hit that. But I know that that plant has a much better chance of surviving that cold than anything else. And then if I put a cover over it, then I know that I'm going to be a little bit better off. So there's all of these things to kind of factor into Mm -hmm. that. Right? Right. I was trying to get get my recipe of the day together. (laughs) I was trying to say, I had one more thing to say, Mm -hmm. but I I can't remember what it was now. So we're going to have to just uh, move on from that. And uh, I think we'll just go directly to the recipe of the day. Ben, what question do we get asked the most? I would have to say... It's probably more something like, what are the products we use in our gardens the most? Ding, 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 ding. That's the correct answer. Hey, there's an Amazon link below. When you get over to the Amazon store, know that you're going to be supporting the podcast, but all of the products both Batavia and I have used in our gardens. We want to see you all over on YouTube, so check us out at Backyard Gardens TV to watch our podcasts and other gardening videos. Okie doke. So we're going to do cabbage with sweet potatoes, white potatoes, because I'm a lover of them, and coconut milk. All right. So we're going to take a large saute pan, get a little bit of olive oil or your oil of choice, and you want to turn it on to medium heat. You're going to add the following seasonings and veggies, red pepper flakes, because we want it a little bit spicy, and onions. And we're going to let that soften for about five minutes. We just want the onions to be a bit translucent. We want the aroma. Uh, You're going to go ahead and add your garlic in. And so for garlic, I'm going to do like four cloves of garlic. Um, You can amp up or amp down, depending on how you like it. We're going to add some ground cumin in, um, a sprinkle or two, I'd say. Um, Maybe if you need to be specific, a half a tablespoon. Um, We're going to do some curry powder because that's kind of the flavors we're going for here. And so for the curry powder, we're going to do a small dash of it. So about a teaspoon of it. Um, You're going to go ahead and cook that and you're going to let that cook for another minute or so. Uh, Then we're going to get to the point of like creating our broth. So we're going to use some vegetable broth here for the vegetable broth. Let's go with, I don't know, maybe like a cup or so. Um, you can add any broth that you want, but if we're keeping this vegetarian, that's where we're at. Um, we're going to do some coconut milk, which I love cooking with. So for the coconut milk, maybe this is another like cup and a half. So like a can, if you've bought it that way of coconut milk, we're going to add in, and then we're going to do some tomato sauce. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Go ahead. Get the, the tomato sauce you can. Tomato paste, which I still have to put on my list of like maybe making and freezing. I'm not sure. Um, but for tomato sauce, we're going to do 
maybe, I don't know, maybe a 16 ounce jar or so of tomato sauce. Um, and then just about a tablespoon of tomato paste. We're going to let that get to simmering and get to the goodness of all things. So now we have our liquor, we have our broth together, um, bring that up to a boil. And this is where we're going to add our potatoes. Uh, let's add the, um, sweet potatoes first. I dice these up. It's going to take them a little bit longer to get soft than your white potatoes. Uh, so you can put in about two medium sized sweet potatoes, not your date night sweet potatoes. And then I do just for a different texture, different taste, uh, one large white potato, get that buddy diced up, let it go ahead and, uh, kind of simmer until it gets soft at this point. Um, once it starts to get to the point where they're getting tender, not that they're edible yet, but tender, let's go ahead and add our shredded cabbage. You could use like a half a cabbage here. If it's a large size or a whole, if it's medium or small, shred that up, add that in. This is a stew of sorts. So you're going to let that cook for about 30 minutes covered. Um, once you're about ready to serve, so if you're about five minutes away from it being to your doneness, I threw a cup of peas in because we're kind of going with that curry flavor. Think about the sweet potatoes replacing carrots, if you will. Uh, so from that point on, you can eat this like in a glass, just drink it. No, in all seriousness, you can cover it. You can pour it on top of some rice. Um, if you're really like, if you have some leftover cornbread, I know it's really not the design of this particular recipe, but that's how I'd have it um, with some rice and some some cornbread because that's how I roll. I would put pepper jelly in my cornbread. Inside of it or on top of it? Um, honestly, it's however my wife uh, serves it to me because she's sweet like that. Yeah. So that's cabbage <laughs> with sweet potatoes and coconut milk because we love sweet potatoes, clearly. You had me at coconut milk. Yeah. I love coconut milk and um, I love curries and stuff like that. So it's always a good base. I don't like, however, um, the light coconut milk. Mm. Is it? Have you ever tried that? Low, low fat stuff. It's not as it's not as rich and creamy. Yeah, that's in part the intention. Oh, yeah. Salt and pepper to taste for that recipe. I didn't really have much other seasonings there. Um, I have only bought it on accident if I bought it. Oh. Um, I thought of something while you were giving the recipe that we missed out. That's really big for me on cost analysis. It's, um, you know, when you cook like that, I like heat, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like spiciness, but I don't like flavors of hot sauces. And so like buying peppers and grinding them up and making like pepper dust mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. sprinkle on just to add heat. You can't buy that at a store. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the cost analysis for that? You know, for me, I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's no, you can't put a price on that because it's clutch. So it's just kind of stuff like that, you know? Yeah. How recipes become like it's, there's no recipe on the internet that you're going to find where that you're using because you've added those special touches. Right. Yeah. Or once you you and you put on the hot sauce, they recommend like it tastes like the hot sauce. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. The, come on, man. Your hot sauce ain't that the good. The flakes could be a bit more uh, subtle, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I did make a soup one time with hot pepper flakes and it literally tastes like heartburn. <laughs> it burned so bad when I ate it. It was awful. <laughs> so just in case you're ever curious about putting hot pepper flakes in like a soup from like the minute you start cooking it. It's terrible. So, um, I like where we landed with this one. I think, um, this is going to go really good with the next in the series, mm -hmm. which is kind of, we've alluded through it throughout this whole episode, but it's like our favorite multi-use crops that we grow. Um, I'm a big fan, if you've watched any of the YouTube videos for Backyard Gardens TV, of everything being multi-use. Like, everything has more than one purpose. It just makes sense. Um, and that goes with food. I like multi-purpose food. Yeah, it's my desire. I mean, I've never put a number to it, but if I needed to, like, I need to be able to make a dish at least two different ways, you know, yeah. with something I'm growing in my garden. Yeah. With the exception and I need to of, be able to use an ingredient in different ways. With the exception of cucamelons, which I felt like it was just time to bring it up so it could just like crawl up in your crawl and <laughs> sorry. Disgust me. I know, I know, I know. 
Did you grow them last year? No, I had volunteer cucumelons of all things. Yeah, I didn't grow them last year. Did you year. eat them anymore? Did you get I, any It's still the same bit of, nah, nothing. I tried them again, yeah. Describe me the flavor again. It, I remember what you said the first time. I want to hear the new flavor. Uh, there definitely is a pop of um, of juiciness, right? Um, but mm-hmm. it tastes like nothing. It tastes like nothing. Yeah. Like, they're so small where you can't even get a good grip on the texture even um so yeah i just i just don't i just don't get it yeah like it's I, one of those i can only say that maybe like there's some like excitement for kids around it like it's kind of cool but it's an instagram craze yeah i mean if they volunteer again this year hopefully not like i, I can actually picture it and taste it there's nothing like adding it it's a salad like you know, maybe cut them and add them into like, um, like water or something. They're not even as refreshing as a cucumber slice from your garden that's in a glass of water. So, okay, what what year is this? Two thousand twenty-two, right? Two zero two two. Two thousand and twenty on um, social media was the great cucumelon year. Two thousand and twenty-one was the great Brad's Atomic mm-hmm. Tomato year. What's two thousand and twenty-two going to be? I don't know. I bet it's going to be corn. Yeah, but corn was teetering on it yeah, last year. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. That multicolored corn, what was it called? Glass gem yeah, corn. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That was teetering on it this year. It may overtake it this year. What do you think it's going to be? I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. I'm 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 not going to choose. I'll wait until the you're end not, of the you're year. Just live on the edge. Yeah, I'm going to wait until the end of the year. I'll let you know then. <laughs> You'll wait until we do that episode where we talk about uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, you know, um, yeah, Kikamelon actually falls in this conversation wonderfully, too, because it's like, what's the point? You know, <laughs> you can just be an Eritarian. You don't, if you don't like flavor, just be an Eritarian. Um, what's one thing that you grew last year that you don't want to grow anymore? It wasn't worth it. Can I still grow it, though, after I say it? I don't give a shit what you do, honestly. Oh, yeah, you do. You're allowed to change your mind. This ain't politics. Yeah, you 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 do care. Um, zucchini. Like yeah. I as you were talking about the space and I just I'm growing it now to beat it. Like it's my quest to beat yeah. it, to beat the squash vine board, to beat the little bastard. Because <laughs> at this point I mean Yeah. So what is one thing that you grew that you didn't know you were going to like and then you want now you want to grow a lot more of it oh radishes radishes and beets radishes i'm going to go with are you on the radish train with me well the reason why i subbed in beets because i think i enjoyed beets more so than radishes but you you pulled into my station and i got on the train with you with radishes yes i did choo choo um for me uh, the second question of what I'm going to grow more of, it's not that I like it, but there's benefit to it, and it is beets, mm-hmm. even though I hate the way they taste, but there is health benefits for us when um, if we put them in like smoothies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, beets are known to add oxygen into your blood, and I had when I used to uh, do triathlon and stuff, I would drink beet juice before I would race, and I... I would feel the difference. Like I've never had anything where I felt the difference Mm -hmm. in my body. So I think it might help with our surfing because it is a very taxing sport. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one thing that I grew that I don't know if I would grow as much of, um, I'm going to be honest, it's probably broccoli is getting there. It's, I think it's losing its spot in my garden slowly, but surely. So it's such a heavy feeder and it takes up so much space. Um, it just depends. It may be like a fall only crop for me. Yeah. Instead of, you know. But remember, my perspective is um, there's not a bunch. Well, this is my perspective. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, go ahead. Well, maybe you can consider this and change your mind. Um, well, I'm only going to grow as much broccoli as I can actually get out into the garden. Like, you know, that's going to balance how many I, if I need to buy transplants versus if I'm, you know, successful in the seeds that I'm growing. Um for broccoli and any of these things for the spring in particular, there are only so many spring crops that I'm going to put into my garden anyway. You know? Yeah. And so while I don't intend on using all of my garden bits, all 1,048 of them, um, 
I do plan on using quite a bit of space. And so I'm thinking that this may be a good trial run of planting some things and giving some things some space to grow. So I'm not like I had uh, broccoli bolt last year. I'm not convinced that it's going to be like this huge harvest, but I do want to give it a whirl. Yeah. And um, before you get in and I know I'm, I'm we're going to I'm going to hear it. And this is not Batavia does not share this point of view with me necessarily. She can say if she does or doesn't. Before you get into square foot gardening with these certain <laughs> crops, make sure that you look into it a little bit and really read up on how much they spread because some of them are advertised as they go in one square foot where it's just plainly not true. Mm-hmm. Now, I won't say it'll take two feet. It might take 16 inches or something, mm-hmm. but there is a difference. So just kind of think about that a little bit. Um, one of the main reasons for me, and I, I think about broccoli specifically because it's heavily advertised as a one square foot plant mm-hmm. in that plan. Mm-hmm. And um, man, it's unsightly as hell when you put it that close. It's just kind of gross. You know what I mean? And things get weird. So I think, you know, a foot and a half, maybe I think it'll be good because again, but a foot and a half square feet for one head of broccoli. Yeah. Come on, everybody. Look, I'm going to leave it at that. Y'all check out the links below. Keep it real. Thank you so much. Be safe. We love you guys. A special thank you goes out to all of our patrons. If you'd like to be a patron, hit the link below. And uh, until then. See ya. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Please follow us on YouTube at Backyard Gardens TV. Instagram at Backyard Gardens TV. Over on our website, BackyardGardensTV.com. And then we have Patreon at Backyard Gardens. And don't forget to check out our links below to help the show. Thank you so much for joining us as we learn to grow and grow for change. Cut. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. If you guys want some Backyard Gardens gear, go to the link below and check out our t-shirts, mugs, pint glasses, and other gear. All purchases go towards helping to support the show, so thank you so much in advance, and we hope you enjoy. We want everybody to have a garden, and we're going to give you a chance to win free seeds every month. Head over to BackyardGardensTV.com and enter your email address to be entered in all of our giveaways. Good luck! We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners.